Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Robots Radio presents... Listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about DD to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Sergio. Crit. We're back with another episode of the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. Before we begin, I don't mean to uh, like high sight on anyone who just listens to the audio version. Uh, I appreciate each and every one of our podcast listeners. But if you're not watching the live Twitch stream, you are missing out on Crit's crazy white boy dance moves. They are completely out of control, and I am, and I am here for it. I'm absolutely here for it, 100. I love it. Every intro, I will throw out some dance moves. Every time. Welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio, and I'm the Crit, the Almighty the, Crit, the Almighty Crit. There are none mightier. Uh, you know what? I was uh, I was checking out. Uh, a few of the different artifacts and, and documents that are um, available to us here in this tower. Mm. And I found a lunar calendar and I realized that tomorrow is a full moon. Ooh. So lock the doors and windows to the tower? Lock all doors, all windows, because there are lichens running around. <gasps> Because and because of that, we're going to give you the rundown on all sorts of lycanthropes, uh, the disease, uh, lycanthropy, to prepare yourself for tomorrow's full moon and for any other um, sort of uh, lichen encounters you may have in the future. We're here for you. This is a service that we provide <laughs> at the D&D Lorecast, uh, free of charge. But if you'd like to throw us some of your hard-earned ducats and dollars... Uh, hit us up at dnd lorecast uh, patreon.com slash dnd lorecast we have tiers starting as low as five dollars going all the way up to a hundred where you can play a dnd campaign with us you can get um you can have a sit down with you to map out a new campaign setting or a new adventure for yourself for your own personal campaign mm-hmm. it's a lot of different stuff in addition to t-shirts stickers uh bonus episodes early episodes ad free episodes all that cool stuff now i do believe uh, our patron game is this weekend, isn't it? Our patron game is this. This is how serious I am about D and D. Our first uh, patron game, our first, you know, of uh, the revamped campaign that Crit is DMing for us, is this Sunday. My wife's birthday is this Sunday. 
<gasps> I am playing D&D on my wife's birthday because that's how much D&D means to me. Dun, dun, dun. She's going to smack you. <laughs> Will I be married? Will I be married next episode? You'll have to listen to find out, but chances aren't good. The odds are not in my favor. So I'm going to try to give you as much information as I can right now because I might be dead in a week. Um, if that's the case, then I will be putting out casting calls for new co-hosts to bring to the tower. It's not hard. You just got to <laughs> you just got to want to read about Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like the monsters. And yeah, yeah. yeah that's, you'll never find anyone who's willing to do that ever. Well, lycanthropes. On, yeah, say on that note, let's dive into these. Yeah. Lycanthropes are cool. So obviously werewolves are uh, something that is, it's a very familiar concept in, in our world, in our mythology. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got um, the old classic universal uh, monster movie, The Wolfman. We've got movies like uh, Van Helsing, An American Werewolf in London. Ginger Snaps. Uh, Ginger snaps, all sorts of different uh, werewolf werewolf movie. Uh, they show up in uh, Twilight. You got uh, you got the werewolves, the Team Jacob, right? That's his name. <laughs> the 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 werewolf boys. We don't we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> it's a thing, I guess. I don't know. Um, but werewolves, uh, they they find their origins in like the Middle Ages, like uh, like. Uh, the medieval times, uh, there are some depictions of uh, men turning into wolves and then turning back as far back as um, like ancient, like BC, like like ancient Greece, um, like uh, the in the second century BC, the Greek geographer uh, Pausanias related the story of King Lycaon of Arcadia, who was transformed into a wolf because he had sacrificed a child in the altar of Zeus. Uh, also in a version, a version of the legend told by Ovid in the metamorphos, uh, metamorphosis, uh, Morphoses, I'm sorry. When Zeus visits Lycaon, disguised as a common man, Lycaon wants to test if he's really a god. To that end, he kills a, mos- a Molossian hostage and serves his entrails to Zeus. Disgusted, the god turns Lycaon into a wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's so what I'm, I'm more familiar with personally. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, Ovid's Ovid's work is the. Um, it's not obviously like he didn't write all these myths. He like merely collected them, what was being told. But um, a lot of what we know of those myths, like, have their beginnings there. Like Ovid sort of is the foundation um, for how those stories were told. So. Uh, this isn't anything that, um, that is like a relatively new feature or new concept in our world. This idea of, uh, man turning into a uh, wolf, uh, of course, uh, wolf man, uh, does not have nards. We learned that from the monster squad. <laughs> um, but beyond that, they're pretty, pretty cool characters. Wolf's lores, uh, wolf's in the in the chat. Wolf's lores quoted the uh, Wolfman's got nards, but Wolfman does not have nards. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you've seen Monster Squad, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. So, and just before we dive, like dive into like what uh, the lichens and the lycanthropes in in D and D, 
There's actually something known as clinical uh, lycanthropy. It's defined as a rare psychiatric syndrome that involves a delusion that the affected person can transform into, has transformed into, or uh, or it has transformed into, or is an animal. Um, so it's a like a it's a psychiatric uh, syndrome that where people think like I can turn into a wolf, or I can turn into a dog, or I can turn into a bird, or I am a bird, or it's uh, it's very rare, but it's it exists. Gee whiz. Knowledge with Sergio. There you go. <laughs> so um in D D, you can turn you can you can be a werewolf, and that's pretty freaking cool. You can be a were bear, a were tiger. You could be a, a were rat. A were rat. A were raven. <laughs> you can be just about where anything. So um for the most part, uh, so it's all it all stems from the disease slash curse known as lycanthropy. So a character who becomes a lycanthrope retains his or her statistics, except as specified by whatever type that um, that they that they transform into. Like you said, they can be a bear, they can be a tiger, shark, rat, whatever it may be. Uh, the character gains the lycanthrope speeds in non-humanoid form as well as damage immunities and any traits and actions that don't involve equipment. Uh, They're proficient with the lycanthropes, natural attacks, usually a bite and a claw and or claw. Um, And, but however, the character cannot speak while they're in their lycanthrope form, which is one um, definitely one drawback. Mm -hmm. So if you are a non lycanthrope humanoid fighting uh, someone afflicted, with lycanthropy, uh, if they hit you with an attack that carries that, that the curse of it, and it's usually um, like their bite or their, their claw attack, you must succeed on a constitution saving throw, which is a DC eight plus the lycanthropes proficiency bonus plus the lycanthropes constitution modifier uh, or be cursed. Now, if the character embraces the curse, the alignment becomes defined by whatever the lycanthropes alignment is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and there's two different kinds of lycanthropy. Like there's two different ways you can get lycanthropy. You can either get afflicted with it. Uh, and then that's essentially like a curse when, so you can, uh, you can uh, heal yourself more or less with the remove curse spell, or you can be born with it. And if you're born with it, you actually need a wish spell to be to get rid of it now that's that's interesting because you would think you would think you'd be able to cure it even if being born with it normal you know normally thinking you'd be able to cure it normally but i like the fact that they've changed that Mm -hmm. and made it so you had to wish it because i mean let's be honest if you're born with it it's a genetic it's encoded into you it's in your dna bro yeah I do like that change about yeah, it. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, so yeah, so if, if you're born with it, if you inherit the condition um, through, uh, like, like you said, like genetics, then you have to wish it away. Mm-hmm. Just can't remove it. It's, it's, it's still technically, I would say, like a curse, but it's, it's like you said, it's that much more ingrained in you. Yeah. But uh, like, yeah, like we said earlier, you can be a werewolf. You can be a werebear. You can be a boar, like a pig. 
uh, aware rat, aware tiger. And those are just the uh, standard uh, lycanthrope types that come in the monster manual. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can pop onto uh, any number of both official and unofficial like DMs guild uh, content and find other sorts of animals like where shark or where ape is a really cool one that I've seen. Oh yeah. Uh, But we'll go through the, the standard, uh, the standard lycanthropes that you can find in the monster manual to give you an idea. So a werewolf um, you get, you get your strength goes up to 15. If it, uh, if it isn't there or higher already, and you get a plus one bonus to your AC while you're in your wolf or hybrid form. That's from natural armor. Um, now the, uh, so we'll get into hybrid forms here in just a second before we, uh, after we go to all the different types, the werebear, uh, your strength increases to 19. Uh, and it says if your score wasn't that or higher already, I can't imagine, uh, your score or strength score being a 19 off rip. Uh, and then again, you get that plus one natural armor bonus to your AC mm-hmm. and the wereboar strength gets, goes up to 17. Again, the plus one, uh, the were rat. Uh, as a, and also oh, all those actually, so you're the werewolf, the werebear and the wereboar, your attack and damage rolls for your natural weapons, which are your bite and your claw attacks are based on strength. The were rat, as opposed to an increase in strength. Oh, and then the were tiger as well. I'm sorry. The were tiger, mm-hmm. you get your increase up to seven or get your strength increase up to 17. You don't get the, uh, AC bonus, however, and, but you have a pounce trait. And your DC is a plus eight, plus your character's proficiency bonus, plus your strength modifier. Uh, then the wear rat's a little different as opposed to a strength increase. You get a dex increase to 15. And your attack and damage rolls for your bite are based on whichever is higher, either your, stre- or either your strength or your dexterity. If your dex is at 15, more than likely it's going to be that. I mean, if you're, uh, if you as a character, if you're like developing a character, and you decide, okay, I'm going to be afflicted with lycanthropy and I'm going to be a were rat. Uh, chances are like you already, you're, you're some sort of like sneaky character. If you're choosing were rat mm-hmm. because of the, because of the dex increase. So, uh, the lycanthrope has three different forms, the humanoid state, uh, the pure animal lycanthrope state and the hybrid form, which I was discussing earlier. The hybrid form is cool because uh, it's exactly uh, what it sounds like is uh, sort of uh, in between the your your actual character and your full blown like werewolf or werebear or whatever yeah. it is character. The um, you're able to still speak, which is the the big caveat. Like oh, yeah. so, unlike. Um, being a unlike losing that ability when you're full blown were bear. Well, I love saying were bear or werewolf. Got that were bear stare. Uh you can uh you can still speak, which is definitely beneficial um when you're in battle. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And actually the um in um not to cut you off, but in Icewind Dale there are a tribe of werebears. 
um, mm-hmm. and they are Goliaths, which is nice. I thought was really cool. Very cool. That's very yeah. That's uh yeah. I uh that makes sense. It being like sort of like a um mm-hmm. like colder like um yep. They're they're uh, where polar bears. Like there you go. That's yeah. what I'm looking mm-hmm. for. <laughs> so uh. The so mechanically, like, and this is a question that I that I've asked myself, um, as like throughout my play of of D anD D is like, you know, why wouldn't I want to be a lycanthrope? You know, they're with the increase to strength or dex, um, the natural attacks that you gain the plus one, uh, armor bonus, like natural armor bonus, uh, mechanically, like there isn't any reason why you wouldn't want to embrace lycanthropy if you become afflicted with it. Um, now role playing wise, that's completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, as, uh, so if you go past the hybrid form into like the pure animal form of whatever it is, whatever kind of lycanthrope you are, whether it be wolf or bear or boar, rat, whatever, uh, you become sort of, uh, you're, you're, you're literally completely removed from your humanity and you run on pure instinct. And so gameplay wise, as if, if you're, if you're DM, you should really let your players know that um, they're not always going to um, do what needs to be done. You know, like turning into a werewolf in the middle of combat, mm-hmm. you're not automatically going to just start, you know, keep attacking your the enemy combatants just because. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, granted, like if if you're taking on a a gaggle of zombies uh and a zombie uh, attacks you you know an, an animal would attack it attack whatever is attacking it it would defend itself right of course but you know animals don't always know who's friend or foe and so there could be some collateral damage if you are uh if you turn it if you if you shift in the middle of combat you could attack a party member um you could attack uh an innocent town person and during a full moon, there's, you know, there's, according to D&D, there's no, there's, you, you can usually control your shift. You know, you can change back and forth um, as you see fit, except during a full moon. During a full moon, that urge to shift into that animal form is uncontrollable and you do it regardless. And so you, you, you can hardly be accountable for like what you do during that period of time, whenever you're in that pure animal form. So mechanically, you know, it's really, there's really nothing but um, benefits um, to, to gameplay to your character. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like, there's no like give and take. It's mostly just give. Oh yeah. However, role playing wise, that's when it can get really interesting as far as what a character does and what it can mean for the story, for the adventure that you're in. Yeah. 
Wolf Wolf in chat brings up a good point. He says, uh, I believe the actual monster manual says that one's afflicted when they're first reverting, then the character falls under the DM's control because they can't control lycanthropy. That's true. Uh, it mm-hmm. all depends on the DM, though, because some yeah. DMs, like myself personally, the people I play D&D with do an excellent job of role-playing. So I don't take their character. I let them role-play that out. You know, they're, they understand that there there has to be that boundary, and they do an excellent job at that. But most of the time, yeah, you as the DM will take control of your character, respective party member, shall we say, during that first transformation. Um, I do want to touch a few things before we go any further. Let's go. I don't believe we touched origin story yet. Where lycanthropy came from. Let's hear it. All right. So there's, there's, there's two things. People cannot agree on this. So there's two ways that these, the lycanthropy came about in the world of D and D. Uh, some said that thousands of years ago, the God Marla or Malar, sorry, used barbaric human tribes to create the original lycanthropes, providing them with qualities of predatory animals they admire. Now, in order to explain a little bit further, we're going to figure out who Malar is. Malar, also commonly referred to as the Beast Lord. That's also my nickname. (laughs) Uh, Was the lesser deity of the hunt, evil evil lycanthropes, bestial savagery, and bloodlust. His dogma concerned savage hunts the spreading of curse of lycanthropy and general cons- contempt for civilization. So after the events of the spell plague, he was exarch of Sylvanas. So that's all we're going to go into with that one for now. Cause we, there's a lot to talk about with Malar and we could probably do that for a Patreon episode if we wanted to later. However, the second origin is one that most of our D&D fans will know. Others said that it was a blessing from Saloon to a group of young human orphans to help them survive in the dangerous wilds. Either way, these ancient bloodlines were passed down through generations. So, a little bit about Saloon. This is one of my personal favorite deities. Also known as Our Lady of Silver, the Moon Maiden, the Night White Lady, was the goddess of the moon in Faerun Pantheon. In the 14th and 15th centuries DR, she held the portfolios of the moon, stars, navigation, navigators, wanderers, questers, seekers, and non-evil lycanthropes. In the time of the ancient Netheril, when she was a greater goddess, she held the portfolios of moon, moonlight, and stars, beauty and purity, love and marriage, navigation and navigators, Tracking, wanderers, and seekers, diviners, and dreamers, good and neutral lycanthropes, and autumn. Now, that is a huge portfolio for her to take on. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's a lot. Usually, it's just like uh, war and, and pain or like, you know, flowers and, yeah. and sunshine. Yeah. It's, and, but she, but that, and again, another episode we can go on for Patreon exclusive is all about Saloon because there's a lot to cover with her. And she is incredible. She's one of my favorite deities. But that is kind of where lycanthropy originated in D&D. Now, it's not so much that they can't decide where lycanthropes came from. It's so much so that both deities 
have history involving it. So what the pantheons have decided is that evil lycanthropes will follow Malar and good or neutral aligned lycanthropes will follow Saloon. Yep. So that being said, there's another thing I want to touch on and I'll throw it back to you. Theranthropes, often called lycanthropes, were humans or giants. That's a big one. Or giants that could transform into animals or monsters. So that's, think about that. A giant that's already terrifying, turning into a were giant of some shape or size. That's terrifying. Um, There are different ways to become a lycanthrope. Natural, which we discussed, is where they're born. And the only way to get rid of it is a wish spell. Afflicted is to be infected by a true lycanthrope. Which, this can be cured with a remove curse or something along those lines. Induced is being affected by a magical item. So it's not transmitted, but you're you're basically cursed in this way by a magical item. And cursed is being cursed. A spell was cast on you to give you a curse. So there's four separate ways to become a lycanthrope. Sorry, there's five separate ways to become a lycanthrope. So those last three you can remove curse on. But the first one, it has to be a wish spell. Has to be a wish. Has to be a wish. Um, and wish wish spells aren't easy to come by. Uh, no. In fact, you can only cast it once. You yourself having that spell slot can only cast wish once. So make it count. <laughs> make it count. <laughs> so so anyway. speaking of speaking of deities, before we get to the middle of the show, um, you know, for the most part. You know, uh, people know Malar and Saloon and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, what they mean to the, the, the mythology of uh, lycanthropes. This is a lesser uh, known god. This is from the Book of Vile Darkness from 3.5, from three, uh, edition 3.5. Uh, Quran, mm-hmm. known primarily as the beast god. Mm-hmm. Quran is a monstrous entity of savage lust and wanton destruction. Uh, they are normally depicted as a hulking humanoid covered in fur with terrible claws and teeth. Sounds vaguely familiar. Hmm. Uh, it, re- uh, it says that he resembles no specific animal, but does have a predatory appearance. Uh Quran represents the dark side of nature and um, he's actually the patron of lycanthropes and bestial creatures such as bugbears, gnolls, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, His symbols are not broken bones and bloody teeth. His favorite weapon is the great club, though the bared claw and the sharp tooth are just as common. Um, whereas Saloon has this portfolio that's longer than my arm, uh, Quran is associated with chaos, destruction, and bestial. Yeah. Like it's very focused, uh, portfolio there. Uh, 
Quran's temples are places of natural power, secluded glens, rocky outcroppings, deep pits in the wilderness. They're always full of the bones of their prey, sacrificial victims, and fallen enemies. Uh, clerics of Quran are as bestial as the God they serve. Uh, they despise um, normal society, normal civilization, and love to destroy things. Um, they wear furs, hides, uh, and armor or armor in battle, or they wear nothing at all. Their hair is usually wild and flowing, and they are also given to incoherent screams and grunts. And they usually undergo scarification as part of their rituals and file their teeth into points that are unnaturally sharp. Uh, again, like that's, uh, a, that's from a 3.5 book, mm -hmm. but taking that deity and, and, you know, supplanting it into your fifth edition campaign, easy as pie. I mean, literally all you have to say is I worship Quran. I oh, am yeah. an like, I am an evil lycanthrope or, or you come up, you come upon a temple filled or a, a like a, a outcrop full full of bones, and you've just stumbled onto a a temple of Quran filled with, you know, his bestial clerics and servants. Terrifying, terrifying Absolutely. thought. Terrifying thought. I love the fact that his symbol is just broken bones, blood, broken and bloodied bones. Yeah, like how I mean, simple can you get? Like. No, just break some stuff and throw some blood on it, and we're good. <laughs> that's that's me. That's what I that's represent. It's my symbol. Who uh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I, I I I particularly love this deity when it comes to uh, injecting uh, evil lycanthropes into a campaign. Um, because, like I said, it's just it's so like you said, it's just there's no nuance. It's just pure uh, destruction and chaos and hatred and that makes for a great antagonist uh in an adventure oh yeah uh wolf did ask an excellent question can you stack curses meaning can you be aware hybrid um from the research that i've done i haven't seen anything particularly in the monster manual or the dmg that says you can't I was going to say, yeah, I, I've never seen anything that that um, like anything official that says like this is how you do this, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that you can't create it. Yeah. Now, uh, what I will say is that that gets very close to game breaky. <laughs> yeah, a lot of game breaking going on in that one. Right. Well, so yeah, we... yeah, you definitely have to be careful. Yeah. Of, of going down that route. Yeah. Um, should we take a mid break here? We should. We absolutely should. Well, let's go to our mid break then. Well, welcome to the middle of the show. It's awful middly in here, Sergio. It's I've seen it more middly than this, but it's it's pretty middly, yeah. It's pretty it's pretty middly. So I don't have any new minis. We're getting, but you still you still have something to show us, though, right? No, no, I couldn't find it again. If I find it again, I'll post it in Discord and I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I did find a really cool, like it's a it's a it's a miniature that is a lycanthrope that is halfway through a transformation. Nice. So you get that full effect of like somebody in mid transition. If I find it, I'll bring it back and I'll put it in the show notes and I'll 
uh, link it to the Discord so we can see it. But it's pretty gnarly looking. So I had it, and then I had some computer malfunctions, and then it's gone. <laughs> of course. Can't trust technology. No, no. But you have DN, the DM's corner, don't you? Oh, of course. There's, there is enough content on the DM's Guild that we could fill... We could do an episode every week for a million years and still have something to to showcase. But of course, um, before we get into the DMs Guild Corner, however, I want to thank we both want to thank our amazing patrons, uh, all of which uh, support us financially, and we appreciate it so much. Uh, we've got Daniel, Wolf the Sheepdog, uh, Stagger and Stumble, uh, Maverick, Jonathan Sutter, Chris Remington. And Lupus, our deity patron, um, thank you so much for um, for supporting us financially. Uh, if uh, you are interested in getting any of the perks and benefits that come with being a patron of our show, like I said at the beginning of the episode, check out patreon.com slash lorecast. We've got, like I said, ad-free episodes, early episodes, bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. We've got stickers. We've got t-shirts. We've got a... Um, monthly D campaign ran by crit himself with, and it has with it has potential all, guests Ooh. yeah we'll have guests like i'll be playing in it we'll have guests as well as all the all the very all the different uh dd patrons um uh, painted minis uh every so every few months or so you really get a we try to make it uh you know worth your while like mm-hmm. if if you were, if you're so kind as to support us financially, then we want to be able to give that back to you in any way possible. Yeah. Uh, it also helps us with gives, giveaways, uh, with uh, um, future charity drives that we have planned. And, uh, but if you, if you can't, if you were just listening or watching on Twitch, then we thank you as well. Like, I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for supporting the show. And uh, like, let a friend know. Let uh, let let's let that D and D loving coworker or family member know what we got going on each and every week. Well, again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you, thank you to our patrons, thank you to everybody who listens, and thank you everybody who shares and follows us, and just downright shows us some love yeah and um chats with us on the mm-hmm. robots radio discord on the D lorecast channel uh crit and i like we have full-time jobs we have families we have other uh you know extracurricular activities that we engage in uh we always uh try to stay active in that channel yeah uh, you know as in the entire discord as well but Particularly, I mean, th- this is our show, so we definitely want to be able to talk to the people listening mm-hmm. and who have questions and ideas. In fact, um, the uh, the other week, uh, uh, one of our listeners, Envy Courier Nova, was asking about uh, feats to use for a character that they were developing. And it's not terribly late, but it's in the evening. It's probably like 10 or 11 o'clock at mm-hmm. night. And I'm just sort of racking my brain, like thinking like, what what should i what beat should work and then out of like sort of you know uh rolodex that is my mind i like somehow think of shadow touched and i literally 
like kind of like yelled it out loud, like in the, in, in the middle of the night, uh, while everyone else was asleep and actually woke my dog, up, one of my dogs up. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, sorry, Charlie. It's all right. Go back to bed and then grab my phone. I was like, you need to get this feet. And, uh, I think that's ended up what he was going with because, yeah. uh, it fit his character really well. Yeah. But I, I had, I had seen those messages and I was about to respond and things got crazy, but I, that's why I love having the two of us, because if one of us can't quite get there, I already know the other one's going to be able to get it. So we're no, always yeah, for sure. like for the fans. Yeah. You have, uh, yeah. If I'm not, uh, if I'm not active at that particular moment, I know crits in there as well. Mm-hmm. So, but thank you. So moving on from our thanks, what do we have today in the DM's corner? I'm excited. I'm excited for this. I've got a couple of different ones because I couldn't decide which one. Uh, these are both adventures. Let's go uh, with both. Yeah, no, I'm like, that's, that's exactly what I, I got. I got two because I couldn't decide. Uh, one is called Blood Moon Rising. It is by Joshua Crowther. Mm-hmm. Blood Moon Rising is a 20-page third-level horror-slash-mystery adventure for D&D 5th edition. Ooh, I this like is, that. This is what you have to look forward to. Someone in the remote town of Blood Creek is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Night after night, a werewolf terrorizes the town's citizens, but in the morning, it hides amongst them. The adventurers must unmask the monster before the Blood Moon rises in five days. And it becomes too powerful to stop. Ooh. So this off a timed mystery here. Exactly. Exactly. You have five nights to, to figure this out. Uh, I like the idea of this. I mean, obviously you are um, trying to, it's a, it's a mystery as well. So you're trying to figure out uh, who in this town is the light is the werewolf. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I also, it, you can also, it can also lend itself to one of the adventurers being a lycanthrope themselves and either wanting to take down this, um, uh, you know, this, um, wolf in sheep's clothing as it, as it has, as he's described, um, because he's sort of perpetuating the, the negative lycanthrope, uh, stereotype or he's, uh, or the, the lycanthrope adventurer is wants to teach this person how to control the, their curse, how to control their, their change. Mm. A lot of different uh, role play angles that you can take this. Uh, and that's, like I said, that's called blood moon rising. I'm going to link it in the chat. And we'll also, if you're listening to the podcast version, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, version, uh, you can uh, check it out in the show notes. It's called blood moon rising. It's only two 99 less that's than three bucks. Bad. That's not bad for, I mean, Three bucks for uh, an adventure that will last you at least. I mean, if you play in, if you play through an entire session, six to eight hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, three bucks for that for that many hours of entertainment. It's not bad. No. The sec the second one I wanted to highlight is called Werewolves versus Vampires: oh, Assault on Blood Tower. Uh, yeah, this one's by Daniel uh, Sheltema. This is an unforgettable. Uh, fifth edition adventure for fifth level characters uh, where this one is where you become werewolves in order to defeat a vampire. This is a, uh, yeah, this is a one shot adventure, but you can, it says you can easily incorporate it into an ongoing campaign. And here's the description. How cool would it be 
to start this as your beginning campaign and then go hunt a rogue werewolf in the second campaign. No, exactly. Exactly. You could link these two together. It'd be great. Anyway, go ahead. So (laughs) the description is, uh, heroes, heroes is what the priesthood of Esked called you and your party. Magyari, a prominent member of the priesthood has been taken by the vampire countess Elizabeth to blood tower. You have been tasked to save Magyari and finally slay the countess. Many have tried for over a century and failed. You have been given a monster hunter's pack and a couple of potions. The idea is for you and your party to become werewolves using its benefits to finally end the countess's reign of terror. You wake up to the rising sun, cold snowflakes land on your cheeks. You can smell the dying fire. You look past the camp and see the dead boy you and your party killed the night before. He couldn't have been older than 13. You can hardly believe just the night before he was a ravenous beast. You can still taste the metallic flavor of the potion from the priest and rub the bandages from where the beast bit you. You look at the solemn faces of your party and wonder, do they also feel at any moment the monster within will take over? So this really plays into the, uh, the fact that you sometimes cannot control the change. Mm-hmm. into into your pure animal form and i really like the idea of um becoming this creature in order to defeat something else but is essentially is is the squeeze worth the juice oh, or is yeah. the juice worth the, worth the squeeze rather you know it, it, are you biting off more than you can chew as a werewolf but um and <laughs> so this is this one's uh really interesting to me this one's only two forty nine. So for right around five bucks, you can have two really fun adventures centering around werewolves. See, I like this. I like this a lot. They're both. They both sound excellent, and I'm really debating on going and getting them both because I have a affinity to werewolves in D anD. d It's it's always been one of my favorite things. Um, it'll continue to be one of my favorite things and to have campaigns that are completely set around them. It's exciting. Oh yeah. And like I said, for each one is under $3. You can buy one or buy both mm-hmm. and you're supporting other, uh, like, you know, um, I don't want to say small time, but independent, uh, D and D creators yeah. like, like ourselves, what? like the D and D lore cast. What? Uh, like I said, I, um, and I know uh, our patron Lupus has, has talked about they've. I each of us has so much content from DMs mm-hmm. Guild. It's ridiculous. It's such a treasure trove of great ideas and um, like-minded individuals who uh, love the game and want to see it, uh, expand and um, sort of like stretch the boundaries of what it could be. Oh yeah. No, the DM the DM's guild is truly magnificent and so much content. I've found found so many wonderful things. I even found the ability to play as a goose. Gooseman. Gooseman. Uh but nonetheless, I think we should dive into the final part of our show and finish up our discussion on lycanthropes. Go. There it is. There's our scream. 
We're at the end of the well, show. Wilhelm. <laughs> so what do we got now? Well, um, we'll we're gonna give you some tips as a we'll, we've already kind of discussed what as a DM um, how you can handle your players being a lycanthrope. Um, the rule book states um, that because they're unable to control their change, the DM should take control of the character mm-hmm. while you know after they change. Uh, if you if you trust your players enough, and for me, like even if um, even if the player is is relatively new to the game, I will if they're are hinting that they want to possibly start playing a lycanthrope, I'll sit down with them and and let them know um, sort of you know um, not the boundaries but sort of like what they can and can't do uh, the sort of the things that um, would benefit their character and the story as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how you, as a DM, that's how you would handle it. Now, as a player, uh, how do you play one of these characters? Like, how do you play a, uh, how do you play a werewolf? So werewolves have, uh, keen hearing and smell. Uh, obviously they have the, the shape changer, uh, trait, that can change them from the from the humanoid to the hybrid to the pure animal uh, mm-hmm. wolf form. Um, uh, in the hybrid and wolf form, they can use their bite attack, which is a plus four to hit, and uh, averages um, about six da- like six uh, HP worth of damage. Uh, and that in that bite attack also carries the curse of like uh, like an uh, lycanthropy uh which is a uh a saving throw on that is a dc12 constitution uh the claw attacks are the same except they don't carry the curse of lycanthropy with them and they average about seven damage seven slashing damage uh whichever uh whichever lycanthrope so if you, so that's a werewolf. So it's it's mm-hmm. pretty basic as far as uh like their attacks go. And whichever lycanthrope that you decide to play, you know, they all have um like unique characteristics to them that can be added to the game. Yeah. Uh like for example, like I said earlier, the the were rat, uh all these other lycanthropes focus on strength whereas a were rat focuses on dexterity uh and you might think like i don't want to be like uh, i think a lot of people think that uh being a were rat means like you turn into like a small rat no no that's not it at all <laughs> think more think less uh willard than more master splinter ma- master splinter exactly <laughs> so like yes like as a uh, as a werewolf, you kind of become a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, as a werebear, you become a little bit bigger. Yeah. Uh, but you don't become smaller as a were rat. No. You stay the same uh, size, whether it be uh, small, like, you know, if you're a halfling or a gnome, you're small. If you're basically anything else, you're medium. Uh, you stay that size, but you're just, you just look like a giant rat. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, like I said, they, they focus on dexterity. So they favor, uh, stealth. They prefer to ambush targets. 
um, where rats often operate in clans uh, and only intentionally curse new members as an initiation rite. So they're not really ones to um, like go out and attack un- unprovoked. They usually, um, if they if they need something, they are more like a thief or a rogue. They're going to try to get it through uh, through sneaky means rather than outright brute force. And so they really only uh, get into uh, a Donnybrook if absolutely necessary. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's talk about were tigers real quick. So, were tigers, as opposed to the were rat, were tigers are often found alone or in smaller groups. Uh, they could because they view other were tigers as competition, uh, and much also and uh, as a similar trait to were ti- or were rats, were tigers don't off don't just pass on their their curse or their um their lycanthropy lightly mm-hmm. they um they again have uh multi-attacks their bite their claw their bite has a plus five uh their claw uh, the same um they have as a as opposed to um the previous two they also have pounce which uh, requires a DC 14 stink, uh, strength saving throw. Uh, if you, if the targeted creature does not uh, beat that saving throw, they will knock the creature prone and then also get a bite as a bonus attack. Uh, and finally, the, or the not finally, but the where boar has something very similar in its charge mm-hmm. where boar, uh, think um like a super gnarly pumba from the lion king it's all i ever think of whenever somebody says wearboard <laughs> honestly like 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 pumba on meth right <laughs> that's kind of what i always think they call me mr pig <laughs> uh yeah so they have a charge attack uh it's like because they have like the tusks that come out um they do, they give an extra 2d6 slashing damage and uh, the target must make a DC 13 sta- uh, strength saving throw or be knocked prone. Hmm. And finally, the the big boy, the werebear. Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, usually, they're usually the neutral good alignment, so they will be very much under like the the, the blessing of Saloon, you know, they'd be uh, followers of Saloon. Mm-hmm. Werebears tend to avoid spreading their curse uh, with the rare exception of, and this is from the monster manual, uh, chosen companions or apprentices. Hmm. Uh, they tend to be very territorial. They uh, have like the most, they have the highest strength of uh, all the lycanthropes, which is 19. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they, uh, they have the bite, they have the claw. They, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're beasts. They're, they're, they're hosses. They're, you know, they're big, strong brutes. And they have a werebear stare. They have a werebear stare. 
For those of you listening to this, I've been staring awkwardly at Sergio this whole time. This entire time. Uh, and this is the the biggest like trait or the most important trait mm-hmm. of lycanthropes. The werebear stare? That's the second biggest. <laughs> That's the second most important. The most important is that all lycanthropes are immune to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical and non-silver weapons. Now that is immune, meaning they cannot be damaged by. So that's uh, intense. And I wanted to save that for the end because to me, that can be wildly OP mm-hmm. if not handled correctly. Oh, yeah. Um, especially if um, if you're playing as a lycanthrope, you know, your DM can definitely even the even the scale as ter- in terms of, you know, what they throw at you. Uh, however, if you are DMing and you are, you know, um, throwing lycanthropes at your party, you definitely want to make available uh, magical silver weapons. You know, and oh, maybe yeah. if, if you're trying to keep it secret, which um, is something I've done, I, um, I sort of had a uh, this sort of like hippie Hare Krishna type cult in this town uh, that were actually, it was a, a secret uh, a sect of, of lycan- lycanthropes trying to take over and the, 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 the whole hippie, you know, peace, love and stuff was just, it was a cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so obviously I didn't want the, my, my party to know that I didn't want the, the players to know that, but I made magical and silver items available to them. I didn't like make it obvious. I just, you know, uh, uh, introduced them to a uh, weapons dealer in town mm-hmm. and he mentioned that he had like this for sale and yeah and you know whenever they ended up buying those items uh one one did one didn't and the other one already had a a silver sword um like they were very grateful at the fact that uh they had them because when the character who didn't have one attacked and i said like you know the werebear just like stares at you and growls and you, you know, you don't seem to have done any damage despite, uh, hitting it. Uh, they started to freak out. <laughs> oh yeah. See, I've, uh, I've done it a different way where I've put weapons, uh, and like even armor available on fallen soldiers throughout a battlefield. And that's a great idea. The weapons and armor are, are tarnished and, dirty so when they pick them up originally i think they're they're just yeah they're garbage we could sell them you know we could probably get it you know melted down for scrap things like that it isn't until they clean them or even use them that they realize that they're actually silver or magical so it was it was that was quite a fun campaign only two people out of the six person party actually picked up items off the field (laughs) (laughs) You're so, always you're you're always gonna have those that either don't want to get them or want to sell them and yep. get as much gold as possible. Yep. Every so often you'll get something like, oh, I'll keep this, why not? Yeah. Right. Well, we are at the end, which means 
We need a magical item. We do. Let's hear it. What do you have for us this week? Okay. So this one I'm pulling from my own personal vault. This is from one of my previous characters. Okay. This is an item that was made by me as a player and has gone through quite the, shall we say, modifications over the years. Now, this. I like that. Yeah, right. Uh, This is known as the breastplate of the cursed one. Breastplate of the cursed one. Okay. Yes. It is a gold, solid gold breastplate inlaid with wolf bones of an undetermined nature. Now, when this breastplate is placed on an individual, they must make a constitution saving throw 18. Whoa. Or immediately become deceased and lose their soul. Two. Yes. They lose their soul to the armor. Now that becomes important later. The armor itself, if you pass the constitution saving throw, will permanently turn you into a werewolf. So no changing back and forth. There's no changing back and forth. You stay that way. Now you do have absolute control over your body, but you are permanently a werewolf. Another downside, you cannot remove the armor. So every rest you have will never be... What? Yes, you cannot remove the armor. So you've got to keep... You have to keep up with the same... That's it. It's, it's ridiculous. Why would anyone put that on? Here's where it comes into play. Okay. So the soul that we trapped earlier, for every soul trapped within the armor... The wearer gains a hundred years on their life. Okay. In addition, the bones that we didn't know what they were, these are dire winter wolf bones, meaning mm-hmm. you have dire werewolf stats. In addition to this, you can also use winter wolf stats, meaning you can use cone of cold. Interesting. As a natural ability. Yes. In addition to all of that, your talons, your teeth, or in this case, your claws and teeth, do an additional 1d6 frost damage or cold damage. If at any point in time you cause bleeding damage with these, the person that has the bleeding damage caused onto them must make a DC Constitution the 19 saving throw or begin to suffer from frostbite. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, it's that initial saving throw. And you have to do, you have to complete the saving throw after every long rest? No, you have to. All you oh, have to do is okay. complete it once. But once the armor is on, it cannot be removed unless you use a wish spell. But at that point, the armor is destroyed. Even then, I uh, even then I, I would hate to to fail on that initial Constitution saving throw and then die. Then my character's dead. Yes, but if you succeed, you will be a legendary warrior. Is is it worth it? Oh man, that's. <laughs> I mean, would it um, like would you have to roll a sort of uh, like a history? Uh, check to if, to recognize the armor. 
Or uh, like, would you just be a dummy and just like, oh, this looks, this looks good. This looks sturdy. This looks like it'll protect me. You can roll history. And uh, if it, you know what, we might take some time to, for you and I to do a Patreon exclusive episode of the history of this item. If everybody's Ooh. interested, we'll, we'll see what people in, uh, we'll see what people in the discord chat say if, if they want to hear a Patreon exclusive episode about this character, because it is, it is a, it's quite a lengthy a character discussion and it's uh, quite a bit of history behind the armor. But yes, I would say if you were to pass a knowledge history check, you could probably get to know what this armor actually is and what it does. I just, um, man, I don't, that, that saving throw, that's, but you, and, and the thing is, is that I, I had a lot of discussion about this. That saving throw is pretty hefty in the beginning because it does come with some hefty benefits at the end. It is a, it is an artifact level item and it has to be balanced. So if we're going to get all this good, you have to have something just as bad. Yeah. For a and death is, death is, is, a, is yeah. as bad as it yeah. gets. Because the thing is, there's no, there is no returning from this death. It is a permanency death. Your soul is absorbed into the armor and used as life force. Is there any way to retrieve a soul back out of it? Wish. A wish spell by destroying okay, the that's item. Okay, that's how you said that. Yeah, you said yeah. that. A wish spell destroying the item would also free all the remaining souls. Because when a soul is used, once the life force of that soul is expended, that's it. That life force is, or that soul is mm-hmm. gone. Just like a soul coin. So where do these souls go? Like if if let's say if they're if destroyed, this, you know we'll 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 yeah, we'll save we'll this for a Patreon episode. Yeah, because yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got a lot of questions about this item. Yeah, this dangerous, intriguing item. Mm, yes. So that is my item for you today: the armor of the cursed. That's a doozy. That's mm. a doozy of a do- doozy of a magic item. That's that's from my personal vault. I'm gonna I'm gonna I think I'm gonna start bringing out some of my personal personal magical items for some of my past characters. I like it. I like it a lot. So, we're at the end of the show. Here we are, at the end of the show again. Sergio, do you have anything you would love to share with our Dungeons and Dragon Lorecast fans? Mountain Dew Gingerbread Snap will get you <laughs> in the holiday spirit if you are not already in it. And also, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you want to listen to some more of my uh, my my voice, my talking, and my ideas, um, I also have a podcast called Fandom University that I co-host with my best friend, Sean. We talk about all sorts of nerdy stuff uh, and uh, like a more like, deeper, uh, more like uh, scholarly look at, um, at comic books and horror and sci-fi. Uh, we are doing a two part on Eternals right now, discussing the comic books behind, uh, behind those characters and the new movie that just came out. Uh, we're actually going to take a, um, a winter break. We're going to uh, sort of treat it as like a semester and take the month of uh, December off, the rest of the month off, or the rest of the year rather off. Uh, we will come back with a holiday special. We'll be talking about uh, the Matrix. We'll be uh, we'll probably do a two part of um, like the the story of the Matrix and the the ideas and the philosophy behind those movies, uh, leading into a second part where we discuss the the fourth one, the new one coming out next month. Matrix Resurrections. But that's what I got going on. How about you? I got to take a breath after this one. Right. So let's start with D&D things. 
We D&D. have D D. So we have our D and D five E live play podcast. It's comedy based. Uh, with a very funny, face. very goofy, it's pretty good. Uh, fumbling four and the Almighty Crit. Um, so that's our D and D. We have our Call of Cthulhu, which is Call of Cthulhu Mythos Mysteries. Very spooky. Spooky. Um, we have our Avatar TTRPG podcast, Avatar Legends: Journey of the Elements. Brand new. Brand new. Yep. Uh, so far, everybody's loving it. So hopefully, we can keep that you know train going. Uh, <laughs> we also have. Uh, I've got to rack my brain about all of these. Um, we have Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Yep. Cyberpunk. That's Cyberpunk apostrophe D. Um, is a Cyberpunk Red live play podcast. That one's action packed and and dramatic. Yes, very I, the, dramatic. What I what I love about um, the uh, the stable of shows that you've got going on is uh, Fumbling Four. Is I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of combat at the D and D live play cast, but it's funny. It's there's a lot of humor to it, and not to say that the other shows aren't don't have humor in in, in them. But you really lean into the comedy with Fumbling Four. Oh yeah, uh, Call of Cthulhu uh, is like I said, very uh, like foreboding and sort of mm-hmm. dark and mysterious and spooky, and so you've got that that covered with that podcast. And then Cyberpunk is very much uh, like I said, action packed and also very dramatic. Like the the role playing. Let's say that the other the role playing in the other games like isn't good, but the role playing in Cyberpunk is my favorite. Like those characters, I am very heavily invested in. Yeah, I was to say you're uh, very there, invested in those. There are several times that the character you play, Blitz, uh, has been close to death, and I was like, they better not kill Blitz. I will lose my mind. <laughs> uh, no spoilers, but this week's episode release. Mm. Mm. And then uh, I'm I'm intrigued to see like what sort of uh, what sort of tone Avatar takes. Avatar, um, so far, it's a very it's very uh, original Avatar Last and Airbender um, kind of tone. It's it's more it's it's family friendly. Um, it's very comedy driven, but in the same aspect, it's got a more serious tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll say it's PG comedy on that okay. one. Um, but we also have another show that we've just released. Which is Delta Green SCP Files? I'm of all the your new shows, your newer shows. That's the one I'm most excited for because that game lends itself to just like bonkers, oh, absolute yeah. insanity. Oh yeah, and the first episode uh, does not disappoint. Uh, somebody comes very, very close to death in that very first episode. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good thing. Always a good thing. Um, so there's our live plays. I don't think I'm forgetting any live plays. Um, we also have the Resident Evil lore cast, which is yep. where we talk about all things Resident Evil. Um, that one is more. We're we're trying this first season. We're trying to stay in canon order. We're trying to get everything out so everybody can understand the timeline before we go deep diving into each individual topic. Yep. Because the Resident Evil timeline is very confusing if you don't it's, light it's it up. Con- it's vast and confusing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but as for that, our last show that we're going to be releasing at the end of this month is Knights of Darkness, a 
uh, Vampire first season is Vampire Masquerade, and we've already released World of Darkness. World of Darkness. Uh, We've already released our first episode across all of the TTRPG shows. So if you want to listen to that, you can go check it out. Um, But it's so far, uh, we are planning to release the last day of November will be Mm -hmm. our first episode release. And we already have, I think, two or three episodes back stock. So we're ready to drop them. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I love it. So that's what we got going. Um, And who knows? We may have another show or two in the works. Winky face. How do you have the time for all this? I mostly keep up the the keep the cast chained into the studio here and just feed them bread and water. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. No. Keep costs low. (laughs) No. Uh, Honestly, a lot of the time that I have to do things is 100% dedicated to uh, my co-host, my best friend, uh, fellow um, TCRPGer, uh, Ariel, my wife. My wife. She does a lot of the edits for these shows. Uh, She's constantly in the Discord chatting up. She's uh, she's a real supporter. She's a real she's a real heavy hitter. So without her, we wouldn't be able to do all these. <laughs> we here in this podcast, we stand Ariel. <laughs> Ariel, you know what they say: behind every great man is a great woman, or greater who woman. Does everything? Yeah, yeah so, who does everything for him? Yeah, exactly. We've got Ariel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but all that being said, I think it's time for us to bid everyone adieu. Thank you so much and join us again next week for some more D&D Lorecast action. Woo! Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at dndlorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. What up tonight, City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Altaris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Yeah, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.